Hello, Heart Revolution Church. How are y'all doing today? You can stand to your feet today. Mark and Yoli, um, they were just up here. They've been married for 37 years. Come on, give it up for them and their anniversary. We normally wouldn't leave you in the dark, but there was a glitch in the system for the lights. How many of you also have a glitch in your spirit, so you got some darkness as well? Uh, pastors just make up stuff to, to preach. When we're eating with our kids, we'll like, when you sit at the table, bow your head and close your eyes. Amen. So good to not see you, um, but to be seen by you it also feels amazing. If you turn your attention to Philippians chapter 3, how many of you are here for the first time? Wave. Hello, online family. Wave. Where you at? I can still see where you at. Philippians chapter 3. How many stayed up till 12 o'clock? How many stayed up? praying till 12 o'clock how many of you were dropping it like it's hot till it's 12 o'clock oh lord security <laughs> i don't mean to say uh coach is looking for you he told me the other day he's like i just wait for somebody to go on stage so i could tackle him so just try okay i don't mean to say that i have already achieve these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree at some point, I believe God will make it plain to you, but we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Today I want to talk to you, since you're in that mindset of setting goals and such, uh, I want to talk to you from the subject of grace goals. Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. We ask that you speak to our hearts and minds. Do what only you can do and let your word bring forth much fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You can be seated today. Paul is radically changed by the grace of God. Paul encounters the grace of God and is a teacher um, of the grace of God. But Paul is not only a grace guy, he's a goal guy. He says, this one goal I have, the goal that I have is to run the race and win. He says, uh, the goal we have is out of love, out of a pure heart. Paul understands grace, but he also understands the necessity of goals. But in this uh, book of the Bible, he opens up with this specific statement. He says, beware of dogs. And what he's referring to is wild dogs who come in their own self-interest to fulfill themselves. And as they're coming to fulfill themselves, they're teaching that it is by your efforts and uh, your self-righteousness that you are justified. And he's saying, beware of people who don't value the grace of God and think that their righteousness comes from their own good deeds. 
Because in order to set a grace goal, you have to understand how you're going to respond to the grace of God. And you have to understand who you are around in this season. Do they actually have the values that you have? Because if you're around people who don't have the values you have, you end up setting the goals you weren't supposed to make. Somebody said amen right there because that was so good. And so Paul, he's, he's saying beware of dogs. He's basically saying have some level of discernment in your life. And I think if we're going to know what God wants for us next, we're going to have to discern what God has for us next. Grace is not opposed to goals. In fact, grace uh, is lived out through goals, and it is our goals when it's dipped in God's grace that grace is seen on the ground. I don't just want an ethereal kind of grace. I want a grace that touches every part of my life. I want a grace that goes to work with me. I want a grace that helps me raise my children. I can't see you, but I see you going crazy right now. I want a grace that allows me to live in the freedom that God has called me to live. But we have to discern what God wants next for our life. And I think so many times uh, the, the way the enemy comes to us is he uh, dis, uh, distracts and attacks our discernment. Because if you're a believer and you lack discernment, you'll set your life on courses God never called you to. I think it's interesting. Like, I think if we were to place some of us in Bible days, we would be the first ones to be like, hey, congratulations, Eve. You're finally getting the fruit you always wanted. And I think we'd say, hey, Jonah, you deserve that boat ride, man. And don't let your haters hold you back. Like, you deserve to be on the boat. And we would say, hey, Judas, we wanted to congratulate you on your promotion you got from God and the 50 pieces of silver. Look what God is doing in your life. I don't know why Christians congratulate people who got divorces because uh, we don't congratulate broken families. We actually weep over it. We don't congratulate rebellion and disobedience. We actually weep for it and pray for it. You're like, I'm not a judge. Neither way are you a judge. It don't condemn them, but don't celebrate sin. Call sin what sin is and call righteousness what righteousness is. Some of us parents need to get a spiritual backbone and start letting our children know and start letting our family know that God is a righteous, holy, just God. Woo, this is good old school preaching. I'm sorry for all you sensitive people that don't want to call out sin that's actually destroying your life and destroying your family. But God died for sin, not so we could celebrate it in other people's lives, but he wants to see wholeness and life fulfilled in and through you. And so our goals are not that you live in your brokenness. Our goals is that you get set free by the grace of God. Our goal is not to make you feel good while you're disobedient to God, but allow you to be convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit and come into the freedom that he's called you to live in. So grace goals are different than just normal goals. Grace goals operate under a sense of peace, not under pressure and performance. Grace goals work from acceptance and significance and identity that God has given us, not for an identity and for acceptance and for approval. Grace changes everything, including our goals. And for the next couple weeks, 
uh, we're going to be talking about this, but I want to give you an overview today of the five benefits of grace goals. Number one, grace goals set our faith into motion. Philippians 3.13 says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Grace is what we receive passively, but faith is what we do actively as a response to the grace that we've experienced. And here's the difference between just a normal goal and a grace goal. A grace goal requires faith because it cannot be achieved simply by our own efforts. We actually need the presence of God to empower us to the actions we're taking. See, if you don't have that kind of goal, your goal's too small. But if you need Jesus for your next step, if you need Jesus for your next decision, then that's a grace goal that's going to require us to receive a faith that will cause us to take an action. The difference between a dream and a goal is the action or the response that we take. The Bible says that we stand in the grace of God. And some of you in this last season, you've learned to be strengthened by the grace of God, not by your works, not by your performance, not by your good looks or your bad looks, but you've learned to be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit standing on his finished work. And God taught you to stand in places where life crippled you. And God taught you to stand and be strengthened even in the midst of sorrow and loss. We stand in grace, but the Bible says we walk by faith. And for any of you that have any time around children or have ever been one, you never walk before you stand. You always learn to stand before you walk. But when you learn to stand and be strengthened by the grace of God, you start learning to walk by faith. And I want to tell you today, however you achieve or accomplish your goals in this next season, let it be by the grace of God. And let it be through faith that you're believing God for your children. You're believing God for your health. You're believing God. And it takes faith to cease the promises of God in your life. Grace makes it, and faith gives us the authority to take it. Some of you came here today, and you're sitting in seats you never paid for. You're sitting in somebody else's sacrifice. Maybe you're sitting in a chair that a widow paid for, and it was a widow's faith that sowed a seed to allow you to sit in the chair that you're sitting in. You didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it, but somebody 20 years, 19, 15 years ago, by faith was believing for their miracle and sowed into the future of this church, and you walked in not realizing that grace made a seat with you in mind decades ago and knew that you would be sitting in a seat that somebody else prayed in, somebody else worshiped in, somebody else prepared a way for you to sit down in that seat today. And what you had to do is come in because grace made the seat, but faith takes the seat. 
And so it was effortless with little effort that you walked in here and didn't even realize that the seat had been worked on, prepared, permitted for you and for this place today. But faith said, I'm gonna take my seat. Oh, why aren't the lights working properly? Oh my goodness, I wonder what's going on here today. And you didn't even know that the seat you took was by faith. And you didn't realize that God said, hey, I want you to take what I've already made. That's, that's what happens in our life. God's already made a way. Now he wants you to take it. God already provided food for the birds. But he didn't put the worm in the nest. So he said, get up out of the nest and go get some food. Grace made it. Faith takes it. That's why Paul said, I worked harder than all of you. What a humble guy. I worked harder than any of you, yet not I, but the grace of God that works in me. Grace is not apathetic. Grace is passionate. Grace works harder because it has a greater goal to see the kingdom of God revealed on earth. Grace goals require a faith that is, <clears throat> that is in motion, a faith that doesn't just think about reaching people, but a faith that gets up to reach people. A faith that doesn't just think about praying, but gets up and starts praying. A faith that doesn't say it would be nice to serve, but gets up early in the morning and comes and serves in the house of God. There ain't no holy amens right here. Grace made it, but faith to take it. Faith has to wake up and go fill out the job application. God has a job for you, but faith's gotta go fill out the. I'm just believing God for a job. No, faith without works is dead. You gotta get up, fill it out, and go through the process. Grace made away a job, but you gotta go take it. Grace has a spouse for some of you single people, but faith needs to flirt every now and then just to let your sp future spouse know that you are available. Grace makes it, but faith takes it. And when we have grace goals, it sets our faith into motion. Number two, grace goals help us focus. Philippians 3.13, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I love when Paul says, I focus on one thing. And then he goes on, to say the four different things that he does. He forgets, he looks forward, he does all these other things, but he's focused on the one thing. Some of us are focused on everything and don't accomplish anything. But if we can learn to focus on the one thing, Paul accomplished four things. So some of you are like, I got 25 goals this year. My goal is to lose weight. If it doesn't work out to get surgery. If I can't afford it, NTJ. <laughs> my goal is to fix my marriage, to fix my kids. My goal is to increase my finance. My goal is to save money, go on a vacation. My goal is. And we're focused on fixing everything around us. But what if we focused on the one thing and allowed God to heal our hearts? and allow God to be the Lord of our lives, and allow God to get us healthy and whole. I bet you, and I'm not supposed to gamble in church, but I only gamble if I'm gonna win because I don't like to waste money. I bet you, if you let the Holy Spirit 
and you focus on that relationship with Jesus Christ in your heart that your marriage gets better, that your kids get better, because even if they're not better, you'll have a better perspective of it, and you'll know how to pray for them, and it'll get you a better prayer life. Everything gets better when you let God make you better and start to heal your heart. Let some wife say amen in this house. He said, I focus on the one thing. You could spend your life, you could waste your life, or you can invest your life with intentional purpose on what God's called you to invest it in. 1 Corinthians 9, 26. Therefore, I do not run without a definite goal. I do not flail around like one beating the air, just shadow boxing. Maybe 2022, that was you just swinging and fighting everyone and everything, but at the end of the day, you were fighting your own shadow, acting offended with everybody else, afraid of things that didn't exist, but you were scared of your own shadow. I wasn't scared. You were angry with your own shadow. You were flailing around, trying to find a way and trying to make a path and try to make a purpose. Grace, goals, help us to focus. Number three, grace, goals, give us hope to endure. Job 6.11 said, what strength do I have left that I can go on hoping? And what goal do I have that I would want to prolong my life? Job was so discouraged because he said, what else do I have to live for? And the enemy wants you to believe that you don't have a future because if you ever have faith for your future, God will give you power in your present. And if you feel like you're powerless in this season, it's because the enemy's saying you don't have a future. And as long as you believe that lie that you don't have a future, you will be paralyzed in your pain, unable to move forward and medicating your pain in ways that you're not supposed to medicate it. But when you say, God, you're going to give me something to look forward to. I am going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to endure. I'm going to receive my heavenly prize through Christ Jesus. My friend, uh, he was a counselor, and he told me the story of a, a man who wanted to commit suicide, but he also had a tomato farm, a uh, tomato plant that he was uh, gardening. And so every week, one of the tactics of the the psychologist was this. He would tell the guy, hey, I really know you want to kill yourself. And I'm, I'm fine. Like, I'm not going to hold you back from doing what you want to do. But can you do me one favor? Can you show up next week to tell me how your tomato plants are doing? And he would do that week after week. And what happened is the more that man would have something to look forward to, the less likely he would be to take his life. The enemy tries to steal your life, steal your purpose, steal your soul, put lies into your heart and lies into your mind by getting you to believe that you have no future. I want somebody to know in 2023, you have some things to look forward to by faith. Goodness and mercy follow you, but it's also in front of you. It's also all around you. It's also empowering you. And God's going to allow you to see his goodness in the land of the living. I was, uh, went to jujitsu the other day. Shout out Eastlake Alliance, Professor Elias. If it's your goal to learn how to not get beat up and to survive, you should go there. 
um, I went there the other day, and I've, I've been doing jiu-jitsu a long time, um, and I remember when I was younger, I would always go to win, like I had something to prove. And this time, um, I, I went and I was going with a beginner, and I kept seeing him. He was holding his breath, and he was squeezing, and he, I was like, man, this guy really doesn't want to lose, and he really wants to win. And um, I think it's changed so much for me because I went with the perspective not of I want to win. I want to last because I'm like, in 60 seconds, I'm going to be tired. And if I try the things I used to try, I'm going to, like, hurt my back. But I've learned, like, the goal is not winning. The goal is lasting. But those that last actually win. I think we do that in ministry and life. And we're like, I want to win. I want to get promoted. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a bishop. I want to I, I, I accomplish this at my job. And, and you know what? You might win for a moment. But will you last for a lifetime? The race is not given to the swift, but he who endures until the end. And it is my grace goal for life that I don't want to just win an argument or win a fight. I want to last in this thing. I want to last in my life. I want the same joy that I experienced when I first got saved to be the same and an even more exceeding joy as I grow in faith. I don't want to be cynical. I don't want to be bitter towards people. I don't want wounds from people to become the expression of my heart. I want to, I want to be married to the same woman. And she wants to be married to the same man. Amen. I want my kids to love Jesus. I want them to journey well. I want to, I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good pastor and love people. I want to do this life well. I want to get to heaven and God say, well done, good and faithful son. I want to endure the temporal sufferings that cannot be compared to the eternal glory that outweighs any temporal suffering we may face in this life. I want to say, Lord, I want to get to heaven and, and, and party with all the angels who are partying over every one of your relatives that repent and come to know Jesus. I want to look death in the face and say, you have no power over me. You're just a bridge to my eternal father. I don't want to live in fear of the unknown but I want to live in mystery and wonder of my father and I want to endure and I want to know that there is an eternal crown and the richness of his grace as a reward for the life that we live. I want to endure because I know that as hard as some seasons of life may be, it is going to be worth it. I was listening to a song uh, last night, and it was, it was talking about, I, I only need Jesus. And I start to, to weep because I thought about the seasons in my life when I only had Jesus. And I thought, man, this is actually true, that there are seasons in my life where I've only had Jesus, and I couldn't depend on anyone for anything, and I only had Jesus, and Jesus was enough and let me testify it hurt like hell but Jesus 
was enough and is enough. And no matter what you're going through and no matter what you've been stripped down to, just like Job, I will not curse God and die because Jesus is enough. And as I build my Legos in life, and my sandcastles, and as they all disappear, and I'm left in the presence of God, the presence of God is enough. C.S. Lewis, his, his wife, a famous author, his wife passed away, and he said, I knew that I was ready for heaven when my only goal was heaven. Not when his goal was to see his wife again, but was to see his Savior face to face. When everything in this life strips us from our false identity so we can know who we are in Jesus. There is a hope that endures and there is an eternal reward. Number four, grace goals build maturity. Philippians 3.15. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. So I say the same thing. If you have disagreements today, God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. As you set these grace goals this year, you must hold on to the progress you've already made. Which means you need to check on the progress and be mature enough to check on the progress of the commitments that you make this year. I know we all sign up for the gym January 1. But we need in February to check on the progress of the goals that we made. I know we all committed to date night January 1. But we need to check on the progress of the goals we made. When I tell my kids, hey, clean your room, and after you're done cleaning your room, we'll go to the snow. But before we go to the snow, I need to go check on the progress that they already didn't make or they already made. And my kids are funny. They're like, it's good. They'll, they'll hide stuff under the bed. They'll hide stuff in the closet. They get it from their mother. Just joking. Just joking. <laughs> Terrible joke. Terrible joke. It was a free shot. I'm so sorry. It wasn't free. That's going to cost me so much. Anyway. <laughs> Stepping out of the anointing. But my kids, they're always praying for what's next, but not being faithful to what's now. And I want to tell you, I know you're like, hey, we're going to go into 2023. We're not going to let anyone hold us back. But while you're going toward the goal of 2023, can we do a checkup on some of those progress that you made from 2022? And Paul said, it's not like I attained it. And maybe in 2022, you didn't attain some of your goals. But that doesn't mean you ought to just forsake them. Maybe you should continue to grow until you get to where God called you to be. Amen. That was good. Grace goals build maturity. While I'm working on the goal, God is working on me. God's not so concerned about your goals but what do those goals do inside of you and God uses people God uses circumstances to shape things in us you'll never be the person God intended you to become unless you intend to become that person which means there'll have to be some intentionality and some of you today you got up and said you know what it's church today 
and I'm going to go. And I'm glad you came. And for the next five weeks, we should all make a goal that we're going to come. Man, and the crowd went crazy. They went, wow. It's not the response I expected, but anyways. You have to intend to grow in your faith. You have to intend to show up. You have to intend to serve. You're not going to accidentally pray. You're not going to accidentally pray. You're going to accidentally fall asleep while you're praying, but you're not going to accidentally pray. You are not going to accidentally tithe. That will not be an accident. You're like, oops, I accidentally sent it. Ha! Can I get a refund? You're not going to accidentally take envelope. You're not going to accidentally be like, hey, I'd like to join a life group or a serve team or join a mace and take my next steps in faith. That will not accidentally happen. That will intentionally happen when you say, you know what, I want to walk in steps of maturity and I want to take the next step that God's called me to take in this season of my life. So all of us came in here at a very neutral place of like, we'll check it out. It'd probably be pretty good. Speak to me, Lord. Heal me. Save me. Feel me. Love me. Touch me. Jesus is like, man, my bride is super needy. Imagine your spouse did that. Bless me with a car. Bless me with a house. Save me. Help me. Date me. Roses every day, all the time. Dandelions. It's like, man. You're kind of needy, bride of Christ. You have to intend to become the person that God's called you to be. I'll close with this. Before, that, before I close, let me read uh, Romans 15, 1 through 2. Now those who are mature in their faith can easily be recognized, for they don't live to please themselves, but have learned to patiently embrace others in their immaturity, our goal must be to empower others to do what is right and good for them and to bring them in to spiritual maturity. Number five, I'll close. Grace goals move us to become love motivated. First Timothy 1.5. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. The goal of everything we do, the goal of my preaching today, must come from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. A lot of people want revival of signs and wonders, but you know what I think would be a wonder in this culture? Is people who had an authentic, sincere faith, where they weren't using Jesus to be their platform, but Jesus to be their rock. Where they weren't using Jesus to be their vending machine, but to be their Lord and Savior. Where they weren't using Jesus as a means of their own personal gratification, but using the Lord to use them in the ways that he would. Maybe you're not the most gifted person, but give me sincerity over giftedness any day. Let this be a house of sincerity. When you don't have it together, I don't got it together. 
If somebody invites you to coffee from here, no, we're not signing you up for an MLM. Multi-level marketing. Because this is a house that wants to serve you from a pure heart, a one-way love, a clean conscience, and a sincere faith. May the sincerity of our faith be tested. You know who's sincere in their faith by when they get opportunities to take them away from their faithfulness. People that prayed for a boo for two years got a boo and you don't see them anymore. They wanted Jesus, the provider of boo. A sincerity of faith that says, I think that, I think it's attractive. I think it's the best evangelism that we could have is when you have people that really are loved by God and really love God. People that like, like if there was persecution in America, they're like, oh, they're gonna kill us? Yeah, it'll work out. Like a sincere, like I really believe this. Like we don't do this for money. We don't do this for fame. We ain't trying to be famous preachers here. We ain't trying to be famous Christians or use the ladder of success to promote ourselves within the church. We don't work like the world. We don't work like the culture. We're different from the world in that we have a sincere faith that is based in Christ alone, in His finished work alone, in the grace of God alone, that we are dependent on Him and we want to make His name famous. That the testimony of who Jesus is is seen in the purity of our heart, in a good conscience, in a sincere faith. Good conscience means we're doing this for the right reasons. We love people. How do you love people when you get hurt by people? We don't like them all the time, but there are some difficult people, and some of you are sitting by them today. I'm a difficult person. That's how I know. I'm super difficult in so many ways. I'm emotional. Sometimes I'm angry, hangry. Sometimes I'll pray for you. Sometimes I'll cuss you out. I'm difficult. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Some of y'all like Jesus. I actually need him. Some of you do like church on Sunday. No, I, me and Jesus, we, we're every day, every day. Monday, too, like wake me up, save me some, from some crazy dreams. I need Jesus. I, I didn't get strong in my faith to get away from him. I'm like, oh, the more aware I become of my own brokenness, I, I actually need to be dependent on God. I'm the bad kid in the back of the class that got moved to the front so everybody can keep their eyes on him. And then I came to church and she's like, put him on the stage so everybody can keep an eye on him. Make sure he don't get out of trouble. He likes to cheat on them tests. I know he does. He don't like to study, and then he likes to look at his neighbor's, neighbor's answers. I, I need him. You need him. The breath we have, everything that we do must be motivated out of love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you be done, all that you do be done with love. Galatians 5, 13. 
for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your flesh. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. The only way you can live from goals that are motivated beyond just your personal gain, but to love others well, is to learn to be loved by God well. Because in and of ourselves, our love doesn't cut it. But when we receive the love of God and live a love-shaped life by God, and we know how much He loves us, it allows us to set goals that actually empower and serve others, not just our own pleasures. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. This year is a year for clarity and leadership in our homes, at our work. This year, we're gonna take progressive steps. As a church, we're gonna grow. New families are gonna come, people's gonna go. Broken families are gonna come and God, you're gonna heal them. You're gonna reveal your grace to people in beautiful ways. But Father, in all of our plans, we submit them to you and we surrender them to you. All the pride of our mind and pride of our heart, we surrender to you. Many are the plans in the human heart, but only the purpose of God shall prevail. So we make plans, but we submit them unto you. Would you stretch your hands all over this house? I want to speak and declare a new season of God's grace. I want you to believe in this year something's going to change, not just because the date changed, but because your mindset changed and God's changing your heart and renewing your mind. It's going to be different. It's going to be different, but you're going to have to use the leadership gift that God's given you to lead your family in the way that he's called you to lead and to lead yourself in the way that he's called you to lead and to lead those he's entrusted you with and to lead your children in the way that he's called you to lead. The Bible says he's given us a grace of leadership, a gift called leadership. And we are not victims in this house. We've been through some seasons and situations where we've been hurt, but we are not victims to our circumstance. Somebody's going to take back your life today in the name of Jesus. And you're not going to blame anybody or anything for where you're at. You're just going to let God pick you up and take you to where he, he needs you to be. You're going to be the man of God that God's called you to be. You're going to quit making excuses. You're going to be the woman of God that God's called you to be. You're going to hear his voice and you're going to respond by faith in this season. You're not going to be scared of money anymore. You're not going to be scared of a lack of money or a lack of opportunity. You're not going to live in fear. You're not going to wake up in the middle of the night filled with anxiety. You're not going to sleep all day under the weight of heaviness and depression. You're not going to fight with your family every day of your life. You're not going to fight with your friends. You're going to get clarity on who you are in Christ Jesus and you're going to go forward with every power of God's Spirit and He's going to empower you to speak life to people that have been speaking curse and death to you. He's going to give you words 
and identity and wisdom to speak to this next season like you never have in your life. What are you afraid of? What are you, why did you come in here today with your head down? Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? He's the Lord, strong and mighty. He's the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your head. Take your life back in the authority of Jesus Christ. You have the authority as the believer to not walk around defeated and discouraged any longer. I know it hurt like hell, but you're going to live like heaven. God has not authored a spirit of confusion. He is not the author of confusion. If you need to cut a relationship off, you just cut it off. If you need to make a decision, you and your partner, you're, you're arguing back and forth. Should we get married? Should we not get married? Is it a piece of paper? You should do what God says. And if they don't want to do it, you should move on with yourself. And if that happens, the husband shouldn't come try to fight me because I'm going to call coach right now. As Mary said, do what Jesus says. It's really that simple. Don't live in condemnation. Don't live in shame. Don't live in fear. Don't try to fix your life. Do what Jesus said. I can't hear God. Well, open up your heart. Open up your ears and say, Lord, I want to hear from you today. I don't want to just have goals and waste my life and spend my life. I want to invest my life in the kingdom of God. I want to surrender my heart. I want to surrender my thoughts to you today. If that's you today, would you just stretch your hand? Just stretch your hand all over this place. Holy Spirit, begin to repent of your sins. God, forgive me for uh, generational thinking that has held me back. Forgive me for a poverty mindset. Forgive me for that orphan spirit that has ruled my life, who has been fatherless in spirit and has sought for approval and identity from everybody and everything. Forgive me, Lord, for trying to medicate myself in ways to heal me in which you've asked me to depend on you. God, we take all of our sins, all of our perversions, all of our works of the flesh, all of our jealousy, and we acknowledge that you died on the cross. And as your hands were being nailed, so were the sins that I've been carrying. So we call those sins crucified, crucified on a cross. And we say today by his spirit that you are raised to new life. So as easily as you believe it, with both hands up, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Say it with me, I receive the Holy Spirit. Begin to thank God. Begin to love God today. Begin to let him love on you. We say, would you worship and allow freedom
We speak freedom. Freedom in the name. Freedom in the name. Some of you just have to believe it today because your pattern consistently tells you that you can't be free. So when someone tells you to believe, you said, I already tried that. Well, try it again. Try it again. New mercies every morning. God has available new mercies every morning. God will continue to give you a reset. And you've got to continue, continually allow God to work on your heart and say, I'm going to choose to believe the truth of my Father. I'm going to choose to believe what God says. I'm not going to believe the lies of the enemies. I'm not going to believe the lies of tragedy or what I've told myself. I am going to believe what the Lord says. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. I declare a new season for you today. Not a gimmick, not hocus pocus, not a magic show religion, but a declaration of faith that God sees you as sons and daughters and he knows there's more in you because he actually put it in you. And there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. So death or famine or nakedness, strife, any disease, nothing, angels or demons have the power to separate you from the love of God. He holds you in his eternal hand. Faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. We hear word so increase our faith we choose to believe the truth about who we are we are found guilty of righteousness by the grace of God some of you are being convicted under righteousness today saying you're a son of God I don't feel like a son of God no you're convicted by the Holy Spirit today you are marked by the grace of God caught chased down held by the grace of God. One more time, stretch your hands. Father, we love you. We receive newness of life. Newness of life. Newness of life. In Jesus' name.